You're listening to Everyday Family Medicine on ReachMD, and I'm Dr. Jennifer Cottle, your host. Joining me today is Dr. Jay Schubrick, Director of Clinical Research and Diabetes Services at Toro University, California College of Osteopathic Medicine. Today, Dr. Schubrick and I are going to be discussing a new approach to treating type 2 diabetes. Dr. Schubert, thank you, and welcome to Reach MD. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. So let's start out. You know, most physicians approach type 2 diabetes treatment with a titrate-up philosophy that generally begins with lifestyle changes and possibly oral therapy. Can you tell us about your titrate-down view of treatment? The ADA and the American Association of Clinical Endocrinologists recommend that we start with diet, and then we go to oral therapies, and we sequentially add therapies, hopefully in a very expeditious manner. But unfortunately, we know that type 2 diabetes is a progressive disease, and one where time is not our friend. And generally, these therapies have very short durability in terms of efficacy. And so rather than continuing to step up once a treatment has failed, I'd recommend that we get control very quickly and step down off therapies, maintaining control and less therapy over time. And we'll talk a little bit about how we do that. Great. You and I are both osteopathic physicians, and and we do share this philosophy that the body has a natural ability to self-regulate and potentially heal itself. Your approach to treating type 2 diabetes basically says that, you know, aggressive medications early in the disease is more likely to give us sort of that result. Can you tell us maybe a little bit more and expound about that? We know that to develop type 2 diabetes, it takes years to decades of abnormalities. And by the time you're diagnosed, your body has many counter-regulatory pathophysiologic mechanisms. The theory here between, and we'll talk specifically about insulin as the first treatment of type 2 diabetes, we use a human molecule that the body already makes, we rest the pancreas, and we let the body reboot, per se. And it actually will return to not completely normal physiology, but much more normal physiology. In so many ways, I think this is an osteopathic approach to type 2 diabetes. So you talk about something called insulin first. Can you tell us what you mean by insulin first and how it relates to this titrate down view of treatment that that you're promoting? The thought here about insulin first is when someone has elevated glucose, the most potent medication for diabetes and the only medication with no ceiling is insulin. Insulin is typically used late in the disease after oral medications have failed, but at that point, you're maximally insulin resistant. The body's very abnormal at that point. If we use insulin first early in the disease, we have found that we've gotten good control of glucose. We've been able to maintain some normality of their glucose, but most importantly, get them off insulin and onto just their normal physiology afterwards for variable lengths of time. So we think that, again, a short burst of insulin therapy up front might be more effective than long-term oral medications over time. It's very interesting. As a family physician myself, I'm going to ask you even to talk more specifically. You know, I'm curious about the patients who you are using this approach with, what types of A1Cs, and then how wide scale are you using this approach? Have you done any trials and things like that? Insulin first first came about in probably a very straightforward case. A gentleman came in with an A1C of 14%. So this person is very, very far from normal, and insulin is the most effective and probably the most agreed upon treatment for that person. That's how insulin first started. And then we started to expand the use of insulin first to a wider patient population, all the way down to A1Cs as low as 8 And we did that through a case series. Today, we'll talk a little bit about the result of that at first experience. We did a randomized controlled clinical trial 
using insulin first versus intensive oral therapy. And so we can actually describe quite a bit more about who we could use it in. Can you tell us a little bit about the results of the trial that you conducted and you know what sort of benefits and outcomes you saw? So the trial that was the randomized trial for insulin first was called INSPIRE, Intensive Insulin Therapy as the Primary Treatment of Type 2 Diabetes. And in this trial, we took 23 people randomized to intensive oral therapy, which is weight-based, basal bolus insulin, so four shots a day as the first treatment of type 2 diabetes. They had that therapy started at the beginning of the trial, forced titrated up, and then forced titrated down at 12 weeks, so everybody was off insulin by 12 weeks. And then we watched them for one year after that for a total of 15 months. And then the other arm was intensive oral therapy that started with metformin, and if they, and this is based on the 2009 guidelines, if they weren't in control, at 12 weeks we added glimepiride, which was titrated monthly. And if they weren't in control then, we added pioglitazone. If they weren't in control, then we added insulin. And so basically we looked at over 15 months, what did 12 weeks of insulin do versus intensive oral therapy? And what we found is a few things. Both of them were very effective. The A1C was 10.1 in the insulin arm, and I believe 9.9 in in the intensive oral arm. They got down to 6.5-ish by three months, and they maintained that A1C all the way out to 15 months. Um, Now, both arms had rescue um, criteria, so some of the people in the insulin arm and some of the people in the oral arm needed to be rescued, but they were able to maintain very good glucose control out to 15 months. Interestingly enough, the insulin arm actually lost weight, 2.1 kilograms, while the oral arm gained 2.3 kilograms. And there was only a total of 10 hypoglycemic episodes in the entire trial. One, this trial was looked at very carefully when we were looking for our initial funding because the concern was that we couldn't do this without causing severe hypoglycemia. And I think one of the outcomes of this study is, one, 12 weeks of intensive insulin therapy is as good as 15 months of monthly titrated oral therapy. We know that we can safely do this with low rates of hypoglycemia, 10 episodes in more than 100 months of patient insulin and medication exposure, and people can actually lose weight with early use of insulin. One thing that was very interesting in this study is our number one reason why people chose not to be in the study, they chose not to be in oral therapy. So, you know, people said, I want to take insulin. I said, well, this is a randomized trial. I don't get to pick. You don't get to pick. And we had a lot of people who chose not to be in the trial because they wanted insulin. And interestingly enough, this is something that's an update for our trial. We've surveyed all the people who took insulin in this trial and asked, put your diabetes in control. Some people say remission. We don't say cure. What are you going to do when your sugars start to climb again? And universally, they say, I want to take another pulse of insulin. So the thought is maybe intermittent pulses of insulin every three to five years might be as effective or more effective than ongoing oral therapy in this step-up algorithm. I think this is very interesting. Uh, You know, I'm a family physician, and I I think that sometimes, anecdotally, from my professional experience with my colleagues, with myself, I think sometimes we feel that patients would rather take a pill than take insulin, um, whether it's an instinct or, or practical experience we've had. So I think it's really interesting that maybe some of the, the preference actually came for people who wanted to take the insulin or be in the insulin arm of the trial. That's very interesting. So now you sort of have this insulin first model. You've done this trial. What would you say then to myself or other physicians who want to maybe try this out in our office? And how do we select patients? What do we need to be careful about? Is this for everyone? Is this not? What do you think? I think there are two main messages that come from this. And the first message will start with insulin specific. Insulin needs to be reframed as an agent that can work very quickly, is very potent, 
and should not be used at the end of disease and used forever. You know, patients would say once on insulin, always on insulin. And, you know, this study really focuses on that's not true at all. So, yes, my, my patients will ask, hey, I'm going to have a steroid shot. Do you think I need to go back on insulin? So people on oral therapies. Hey, I'm going to be admitted to the hospital. They'll probably take off me off my meds and put me on insulin. Absolutely. So showing the benefit of insulin as a targeted therapy early in the disease is one of the important messages from this. The other important message from this is that I really believe that even though insulin worked, I think almost any intensive regimen given early in disease would work. So there was a study done by Ralph DeFranzo that showed of a combination of metformin, pioglitazone, and exenatide as the first treatment of type 2 diabetes was better than stepped therapy. And so I think what we really need to do is not let time pass, use aggressive combination or insulin therapy early in the disease, and then, as we said, step down off that once you've got control. And so I think if you're looking at insulin in family medicine or in other primary care specialties, absolutely it can be done, and I think it can be done safely. If you use the ACE algorithm for weight-based insulin administration, I think it's very safe. But the most important part of this is that you have to have an exit strategy. If you're going to do intensive early therapy, you need to have a timeline. You need to have a timeline where you're going to reassess and step down. And so my suggestion is that you need at least 12 weeks of insulin therapy. Probably the next study that I do, I'll look at four weeks of stable glucoses as my point at which I'll down titrate. That's very interesting, and I really appreciate the message. You know, interestingly enough, your insulin first message is not only about insulin first. It's really about early control and not waiting as clinicians for A1Cs to be out of control for a long time. And I think that that's a very valuable message for, for all of us. So can you talk a little bit about the mechanism by which you think this process, this insulin first process, works. So when we started the trial, we, we saw that it worked clinically, but really didn't know the mechanism. The message we give to a lot of our patients is that we're resting the pancreas. As an endocrine organ, if you can rest the pancreas, it can work more physiologically. But really the question was, was this just related to stopping glucose toxicity and lipotoxicity? And I think that those are certainly part of it, but unlikely to explain the 15-month durability of the study. The qu other question was, does this change apoptosis of beta cells? that also makes it unlikely to show durability because there should still be a decline once the insulin's gone. There's been a recent study that showed that beta cells in the face of hyperglycemia can actually de-differentiate, and so they no longer become insulin-secreting cells. So they're still beta cells, but they're not secreting any hormone. And then, specific to insulin, when insulin and normal glycemia return, those beta cells can re-differentiate and start secreting insulin again. And so the reality is we might have more power over the decline of beta cells than we think because it's not just that they're dying. Some of them are de-differentiating in the face of chronic hyperglycemia. And if we could give insulin early and normalize the glucose, we actually may have more functional beta cells than we thought. And that's the most plausible explanation for long-term benefit of the study. As we begin to wrap up, what's next for your insulin-first concept and the trial that you've done? And, you know, what's on the horizon next? So a couple things. One thing we learned in our trial is that those with the heaviest BMIs take longer to get in control. The goal is to get four weeks of stability of their glucose before we start to down titrate. I also think that, you know, insulin is injectable, and you do have to make sure that there are mechanisms within the office to teach people how to take injection. That's a major barrier. I think the other barrier is to make sure physicians learn the safety of insulin and the utility of insulin. 
When we look at Inspire 2, we'll actually look at actually taking a couple different intensive approaches to diabetes and comparing them directly. So intensive insulin therapy versus intensive oral therapy versus a combination of oral injectable therapies as the first treatment. And so can we do better than we currently do and which is the winner? And then the second part is we'll look at an Inspire pediatric trial. We're going to take this same intensive therapy and apply it to children with type 2 diabetes. Very interesting. We've come to the end of our conversation. Dr. Schubrick, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your insights on the insulin-first model for controlling type 2 diabetes. Thank you. It was my pleasure. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Cottle, and you've been listening to Everyday Family Medicine on ReachMD. To download this podcast and others in the series, please visit us at reachmd.com slash everydayfamilymedicine. And we encourage you to like, share, and comment on this podcast. Thank you for listening.